This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. There's a lot of tracking that goes along with damage assessments, especially when it comes to meeting, you know, either meeting the federal threshold. And we heard from several folks who said, you know, of course we do that, right? But really what we're talking about is tracking for the, for the entire life cycle of a disaster, not just to meet the threshold. Hi, and welcome to EM Weekly. And this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking, and we have Anne Stoffer with us today from the Pew Charitable Trusts, and she is speaking on government spending on natural disasters and the fact that we do not know what the true cost of a disaster is. FEMA, largest disaster assistance program, had eight of its most expensive years in the decades between 2007 and 2016. And they're trying to figure out ways to control the rising costs. And so I was excited to have and accept the invitation to come on Ian Weekly to have a really good conversation about what the costs of natural disasters really are and what can states do to improve the prevention and mitigation of disasters. And we all know that $1 of prevention goes into 6 to $7 of recovery. You know, it, it equals that. I think that we can save money on the front end of disasters. Now, I tend to be fiscally conservative when it comes to taxpayers' dollars. My personal opinion is if I can't justify spending a nickel on a program to the taxpayer, I won't spend it. On the same note, if I think that we have something that we can spend money on to save money or spend money on to save lives, I will for sure fight for those dollars. I think that we need to fight for every dollar that we have and spend it wisely. And I think Anne's group did a great job taking a look at what the issues are and where we can improve specifically. Some of the things that we talk about here is most states do not have a comprehensive tracking of natural disaster spending. State spending is really variable depending on on where they are and what's going on. And I think if we take a look at the four phases, and in some cases we call it the five phases, but we'll talk about the four phases of mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery, we will know that if we put money into preparedness and mitigation, we're going to save money on response and recovery. So, well... Before we get into the interview, I really would love to invite you guys to come over to the Facebook group with EM Weekly. I'd love to have you guys over there and have a conversation. And again, I'm sorry for back east. Guys, it means everybody. I'd love to have you all, if you want to go southern, over there uh, to talk about what's going on here with emergency management with EM Weekly. Uh, Some of the discussion on the group. It's a lot of fun and I'd love to have you guys there. So, well, let's get into the interview. So today I have with me Anne from the Pew Charitable Research. Anne, welcome to Ian Weekly. Yeah, hi, Todd. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. So, Anne, tell me a little bit about 
how you got involved in what you're doing and just a little bit about yourself. Happy to. I work with the Pew Charitable Trusts, and that is a public charity, and we conduct fact-based research and analysis to improve policy, inform the public, and invigorate civic life. And my part of that is that I lead the Fiscal Federalism Project at Pew, which looks at the impact on states when the federal government changes its spending. So, and this, and this can have a big impact on states because they get 30% of their revenue on average from the federal government. So right. our lens, yeah. <laughs> so the federal state relationship is really important when it comes to money. And so our lens on the uh, emergency management or disaster, natural disasters field was really the federal state relationship. Over time with this project, we've done deep dives into the federal state relationship in transportation and higher education and looking how the funding flows between the two levels of government. Um, and that can tell you sort of there, there are always policy implications to that. So then we turned our attention to disaster assistance because it's so intertwined at the federal, state, and local level. And because disasters are becoming more expensive and putting a strain on everyone's budgets. And there's also a lot going on in terms of federal discussions about policy changes that could affect this relationship. And so that's how, that was our entry point into natural disasters and emergency management. So that's a really interesting point because, you know, when we talk about disasters and, and all disasters are local and as emergency managers, we run um, our emergency and, and, just, and then we actually always, not always, but it depends on what the threshold is. You know, we go up to the state level, then the state to the federal level to, to get funding uh, to respond to these disasters. And as they see, California uh, this year was burning and the, the West Coast, or the Western United States actually had a lot of fires going on. And then to boot, we had all those floods and, and torrential rains in the in the east coast and then hawaii is happening now everything is happening at poor hawaii and so this is all costing a lot of money in, in the response and one of the things that we try to get through to everybody is that every dollar that we can spend on preparedness and mitigation saves about seven or eight dollars on the response and recovery side did you guys take a look at that at all in our research, we definitely looked at all phases of disaster. We wanted to capture state spending on all phases, so preparedness, mitigation, response, and recovery. And we asked for that particularly because, as you mentioned, there's the National Institute of Building Sciences study out there that was recently updated to show that on average, you know, $1 invested saves $6 later. And that's something that FEMA commissioned and is therefore very interested in. So when we asked states to report on their spending on disasters, we asked for the, to include all phases. So what were the, the basic findings on there? Like when we're looking for money specifically on the recoveries or on the response side, I should say, you know, it's almost a, hate to say it this way, it's, it's almost a, uh, an open checkbook the way we look at it. You know, we're like, whatever it takes to, to put the fire out, we're going to spend that money on. And then at some point we're going to be able to recover on that. But that's not always the case. How did that process look from your end as you're doing the research? Yeah. As we looked at it, I mean, just to step back and talk about what our research was, when we were looking into the federal-state relationship and the funding flows in natural disasters, we realized that in this area, there's the data on what states are spending is actually missing. Mm. So we reached out to all 50 states to collect this data. We heard back from 23, and then we released a report based on that experience called What We Don't Know About State Spending on Natural <laughs> Disasters Could Cost Us, to sort of highlight that this is actually important data to have as there are sort of policy discussions going on about the increasing cost of disasters 
and the federal proposals to both look, manage the costs at the federal level and also design incentives for mitigation. And so we wanted to add to this debate information on what states are actually spending because I'm sure you and your audience members have heard this, like sometimes there seems to be an implication at the federal level that states aren't spending enough, but without the data, um, there's, we don't actually know that. Hmm. So what we did is we looked at, we looked at the data that states reported to us and we found that we asked them to report on two types of spending. First, on their own programs at the state level, including disaster assistance for events that don't qualify for federal help. Right. And second, in on their cost shares, you know, the funds that states must ha- have to spend to receive the federal grants, such as public assistance and hazard mitigation grant programs. And so from the data we did receive, we found a couple interesting things. The first is that state spending varies. Uh, for example, for the five-year period that we received the data, 93% of Delaware spending was on their own state-level programs, while in Wyoming, everything they spent was for federal cost shares. So there's, you know, variation in that spending. We also saw that state spending varies by type of program. So some states have public assistance programs that mirror FEMA's, and we saw Arizona reported spending about $11 million on such a program, and Wisconsin about $5 million. And other states have individual assistance programs that are similar to FEMA's. And Arkansas and Ohio actually reported spending a million dollar each on such programs. These are types of programs that the federal FEMA and other policymakers have actually have encouraged states to to implement and do. Um, So, you know, that kind of information is helpful. And we also saw, um, back to your question about mitigation, that some states are investing in their own mitigation programs. For example, Iowa spent $49 million. And North Dakota spent $226 million in that five-year period for flood control. And Oregon spent $36 million for earthquake retrofits. Um, and again, with federal policies and discussions really focused on increasing mitigation or designing incentives for mitigation, this kind of information can also be helpful. And then finally, we found that states vary in how they split the federal cost shares with local governments. So, you know, for a lot of emergency managers, you know, in your audience, this won't be that sort of ter- that new, but I think right. it's important for federal policymakers to think about this because, you know, some states pay all of the federal cost share. Some may uh, share the, split it with local governments at, uh, in different ways, and some pass the entire co- federal cost share onto locals. And that, that variation in the cost share split plus the other ones I just talked about is why it's important for federal policymakers and really folks at the state level, too, to have comprehensive data about state spending because the federal policy changes would affect states differently because of all this variation. Right. And that's what's kind of going through my head right now. I was thinking about community preparedness programs because that's one of the things that, uh, as a local emergency manager, we see the, the biggest impact. Um, however, it's the, it's the hardest challenge is to get the community prepared. And there are state, there are federal monies that are available for us to do these programs uh, and with, with some matching, but it can become cost prohibitive for some of the local communities that don't have a greater tax base than others. And I find that kind of interesting. How does that work on the state levels then? I mean, this is a serious question because I, I don't really know the answer. I'm hoping that you might be able to help us out here. So each state has their, their own way of doing things. So are you saying now because of this, are there some states that are really well prepared for disaster response where other states are just lacking because they just don't have the money? 
Our focus was really to look at the state spending data. Mm -hmm. Um, We did not evaluate whether, you know, it was enough or not enough. There's an issue, you know, we we asked for five years of data to try to capture some of the ebbs and flows of of the disaster cycle. As you know, I mean, there there can be a period when the state doesn't have a major disaster. And so, you know, some of the spending will spike at different times. So what we, we, we do know, and I think the key overall takeaway is that State spending varies um, for different reasons, and that should be part of the conversation. Our study really looked at trying to capture just the expenditures without sort of looking at whether it was adequate or not. It really, as you know, and as your audience knows, it really depends on what's going on at the state at the time, what the needs are. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of got that. Just one of those questions that popped into my head as we're listening to this, as we're having this mm-hmm. conversation is, you know, I, I obviously I work in, in uh, Southern California and, you know, we, I think that we do a really good job. Uh, number one, my personal thing as a public employee is I, I try to be a good steward of taxpayers' money. That's our, my first role. And then after that, it's being able to do effective programs and are we using the money for effective programs? And we evaluate our programs on a regular basis to see if this is something that's effective and is it doing what our goal was set when we did our initial justifications for, for grant monies or for federal monies, you know, and so we continuously evaluating these programs. You know, I, I know of other, I don't, don't want to, I'm not going to names, but I know of other jurisdictions in other states that when we're using UASI funds specifically, weren't so, we're a little bit more loose with their spending, if you will, for lack of a better term. I don't think they did anything illegal. They just did something that probably wouldn't have you know, really been a great program. So that's kind of where I was asking that question from is, is there a more effective way of using those monies that we're getting from the government to make them stretch longer, mm-hmm. to be able to do a greater impact and to be able to do better uh, emergency management for our, our residents and our jurisdictions? That's kind of where the question was coming from. Todd, yeah, I think our our lens was the fact that if you, you first need to understand sort of the totality of what you're spending in the state on disasters to then really be able to evaluate and assess whether you could be more strategic or reallocate funding. And I just want to be clear, you know, for uh, your listeners that when we worked with states, it was very clear that the emergency management offices knew what they were spending, right? They, they know that, they track that, there are a lot of reporting requirements. But what we were actually trying to capture was really the comprehensive spending in the states because as emergency managers know, they have many partner agencies that they work with throughout all phases of disaster. There we had when we worked with Florida, they basically reported that, you know, they were cap trying to capture expenditures from at least twelve agencies that were involved. And so I think it's important for us to focus on that our question was really disasters involve much more than just the emergency management agency. And therefore we were trying to get the statewide spending. And that was actually the challenge because of the number of agencies involved, because of the different financial systems involved. That was definitely one of the challenges that we Mm -hmm. had emergency management offices report to us. And then another one of the challenges also is that they're busy, right? I mean, they, they, (laughs) we had a number of states where they had ongoing disasters. And so they understood the importance of trying to capture this information, but they didn't have the capacity at the time to try to work with all their partners and collect this. And then finally, and this is why it uh, led to one of our recommendations is in the report that high-level policymaking attention is needed, is that disasters are episodic, and at the time they happen, you get the attention of governors and 
legislators. They're kind of laser focused on the recovery, response and recovery, but it's very hard to get sustained focus over a long period of time and the work to do the ongoing tracking. So. <laughs> There's a, a whole lot of truth just came out of those statements right there as far as that goes. Yeah, you're right. You know, I was thinking about just in California, just in Orange County, a little, a little alone, how many different jurisdictions, reporting jurisdictions that there are, all the way down to small water districts and, you know, school districts and, you know, everything that has to report up to the county. And you're right, it's, it's really hard to... to get everybody to participate on a regular basis due to the time and the crunch and the, and the personnel that's associated with it. You know, and in California, we have some counties that have emergency management organizations for the whole county that are for employees, you know? Okay. So, so I understand the, the challenges there as far as the reporting up. So what, I mean, at the end of the day and, and with all the stuff that you did, what, what is your, your, say your three takeaways from your report and from your, your study? Yeah. The, Three takeaways are that most states uh, currently don't comprehensively track their spending on natural disasters, but from the data that we did receive, state spending varies and can really inform the sort of federal policy discussions that are going on right now, which leads to the final finding, which is much more of a recommendation, that there needs to be sort of high-level state policymaker and federal policymaker attention to this issue and, and encouragement and looking at ways to then track the spending to understand it so that to better manage the cost of disaster going forward. We always say you can't manage what you don't track. And I know emergency managers know that well, right? They track the trajectory of storms. They track supplies on hand. They track the responders in the field. And to really understand the full scope of a disaster, we're recommending that they and, and work with their higher level state policymakers to ensure the state is more comprehensively tracking spending. And we have an example of that, actually, which is that while we were working on this survey, the Ohio Emergency Management Agency connected with their state office of budget and management to develop a better tracking system for state-level investments in disasters. Um, They leveraged strong agency partnerships that they had already and built on existing reporting structures to develop a system to record expenditures during a state-level disaster. So they've set, developed a system where if their emergency operations center is activated, then they all use a certain code in their financial system to track the expenditures. So that's a great example of what states can do to start addressing this issue. And then, of course, getting data that can be compared across the 50 states would probably require a national coordinated effort and provide the most useful information for federal decision makers. You know, we have a reporting structure here when it comes to a disaster, when trying to meet the threshold, for lack of a better term. And so we have a time frame when we have, say, an earthquake, for instance. You know, the, the county would like to get our information on what our our predicted costs are for the at least the damage assessments um, up to the county within, you know, an hour. And the county tries to get their cost assessments up to the state within two hours. And that's sort of our goal. You know, that way the state has a pretty good understanding of, of what the fiscal impact is quickly uh, on on this disaster. You know, and so obviously there's a monetary threshold that we meet before we can call, you know, before the state comes in and starts putting money into it. And then the state has a monetary threshold they, they meet before they, they ask for federal assistance. So, I mean, that's, and I'm assuming that's the way it works in the rest of the 50 states as, as well. Am I right on that or is that is it different in each state? 
the rest of that story when we return from our break. Exercises are a cornerstone of emergency preparedness, but can be costly, time-consuming, and complicated. GTX Vault can ease the exercise planning process with our wide array of tabletop, drill, and functional exercise packages that are fully adjustable. Once you choose the appropriate discipline and emergency scenario, you'll receive the exercise, all HC suggested paperwork pre-filled out, access to our online simulation environment, Chelsea County, USA, and 30 minutes of phone consultation. Get your time back at ttxvault.com. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we connect people with the latest technology possible, whether it's mesh networking, augmented reality, or real-time translation, allowing people who need help to find help immediately. Better matters because lives matter. Welcome back from that quick break, and thank you so much for listening to the sponsors because without them, we couldn't do what we're doing here at Ian Weekly. And hit them up, check them out, say hi, tell them that uh, we sent you. Now for the rest of the story. And I'm assuming that's the way it works in the rest of the 50 states as, as well. Am I right on that, or is that is it different in each state? Uh, that's generally what we've heard. We didn't, you know, probe into every state's practice, but I would say generally that's that's the description that we've heard too. We actually even put a little flow chart in our report to make it clear to people who are not as expert on, you know, emergency disaster response as you and your listeners, just to make that clear that there is this, you know, starts at the local level. If the local level is overwhelmed, they can ask for state assistance. If the state, you know, has is overwhelmed, they can ask for federal assistance. So yes, that's the, the what we've understood generally as well. Okay, so I just make sure, you know, like, like I, I always assume it's a bad assumption on my part that I, I figure that everybody sort of works in the same, same arena, but there's always different rules and regulations for for each state, you know. <laughs> so that being said, so what's the tracking issue that we're having? I mean, obviously each state's different, but what's the tracking issue that we're having from the states not understanding or not wanting to track? Is that what we're looking at? I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to be controversial here, but do the states not? Are the states just saying, hey, we're not going to track because we're going to expect the federal government to come in to bail us out all the time, or uh, they just don't have the capabilities? What's the, what's the issue in the states that aren't really tracking their monies? States definitely want to track, uh, and they do track. As you pointed out, there's a lot of tracking that goes along with damage assessments, especially when it comes to meeting, you know, either meeting the federal threshold. And we heard from several folks who said, you know, of course we do that, right? But really what we're talking about is tracking for the for the entire life cycle of a disaster, not just to meet the threshold. And from all the agencies involved and and particularly, you know, there's there are agencies that get get involved during response and then there are even more agencies often that get involved in recovery. And at that point it makes it, the tracking becomes much more diffuse. And uh, we worked in our study with the emergency management departments because they know who their partner agencies are. Right. And most of them understood the importance of being able to sort of show the level of state investment in natural disasters. But again, they faced issues of they were either having ongoing disasters and didn't have the capacity, they or they had uh, challenges with getting comparable data from all the state agencies because of different financial systems or different coding. You know, sometimes these operational issues are, you know, can, can be challenging. And then the fact that disasters are episodic and therefore don't get the sort of sustained high level attention and requests for ongoing reporting that other state 
issues like Medicaid or, you know, K-12 funding often do. And that's why, you know, we were so happy to see Ohio looking at this and saying, oh, but we, we could put something in place. There is There are mechanisms we could use to do cross-agency tracking and make this sort of put a process in place that allows allows this to happen. And I think I think that's it. It's just sort of, you know, thinking through what would be needed to do the comprehensive tracking. Um, and I think one of the things we haven't talked about quite yet is we I keep saying it's important for states to track, but it's important for a couple of reasons. Not only, you know, as I said before, you can't manage what you don't track and states are fast facing rising disaster costs and more frequent disasters. But the federal government is too, and the federal government is looking at their costs going up. In fact, one of the things we often talk about is eight of the most expensive years for FEMA's public assistance program were from 2007 to 2016, so in a, in a, a recent decade, right? So eight out of the 10 years were the most expensive FEMA has seen. And they've, they're really looking at that. And I'm sure you've heard from FEMA or from other within the emergency management community that they're looking to manage their own costs. And so there have been proposals like the public assistance deductible, which would have states were concerned that that would make them, you know, put more money up front before they started receiving federal assistance. There was recently a discussion about increasing the threshold uh, uh, as part of a congressional bill discussion this, this year. But there are also a lot of discussion at the federal level about incentivizing mitigation with the, the idea that, of course, mitigation has the real potential to control costs down the road. So in the recent bill signed earlier this year, it basically gave the president authority to increase the federal share from 75% to 85% in the FEMA public assistance program to reward states that invest in mitigation. So there's there are all these sort of discussions at the federal level where understanding what states are currently doing and the current investment by states would be really informative and could help shape the policies going forward in a way that really help all levels of government manage their costs. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm a big fan of the whole natural hazard mitigation um, planning process. I, I think that that's really where we could do great work and not only just save money, but but also save save lives by, by real understanding how this is going to affect and impact our communities. I'm glad that's, that's happening actually on the mitigation side of, of the issue. I was thinking about this when we're, we're talking here about some of the tracking problems that we're having. And part of the issue too is that we do things on a daily basis, say like for instance, we're doing work right now where we're diverting waters that could have been well, during the <laughs> when it rains in California, diverting where water would go uh, that it used to go into areas of flooding in the neighborhoods, and now we're moving that around, and it's just part of a different project. But we're using this as an opportunity to do this, and I don't think we would actually put that down as a mitigation funding project. You know what I mean? So I don't think that would be captured in your reporting. Is that the type of stuff that we're looking at too that we're missing? That's definitely part of it. I think in the panel discussion that I think you mentioned earlier, where we had some state emergency management experts and then uh, someone who had worked at both the federal and state level, there was a lot of discussion about capturing mitigation spending, you know, what the definition is, because it, it can be so broad, right? Is If you're fixing a road and you also put in, I'm going to get the terminology wrong, but if you put in infrastructure that, that mitigates flooding as well, is that road repair or is that mitigation or is it both, right? That, so that was a lot of the conversation at that panel. And I think that's a great question because 
how you define mitigation, how you track what you're doing will really give a much better picture of what's going on at the state level and at the federal level. So I think that's why we keep going back to the you can't manage what you don't track. Right, you have to right. decide, you know, what you're going to track. That's that's always the, the problem, right, is when we talk about these things is what model are we going to use and what data are we going to put into that model to be able to, to really tell people how we're doing things. And, and I, I'm reading a book right now called The Black Swan. And one of the things he really gets into in this book is the unknown unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now, right? We have the unknown unknowns that we can't, we don't even know what we're tracking in some cases, which what I'm hearing is that, is that, am I picking that up right? Yeah, I guess, I guess it's funny is I guess it's the unknowns that could be knowns. And I think that's what we're sort of uh, making the case for that, you know, obviously, you know, agencies do report on their spending, but they don't necessarily do it in a way that ties it all together into the question that you're asking. And so when you ask a state, you know, what is your comprehensive spending on natural disasters? It's not just a, you know, they can't just push a button and come up with a number. But I think given the report we've done and the, and the work we've done with the states and Ohio's initiative, I think there's some thinking about how can we do that so we do know and it becomes less of an unknown unknown. <laughs> I love it. This is good stuff. This really is. I, and, you know, for, for those of us that are policy wonks, this is the stuff that kind of gets us excited, by the way. So uh, I do appreciate <laughs> that. Right. <laughs> yeah, policy wonks unite. Exactly. <laughs> I always say that I'm a, I'm a budget wonk because um, where the money flows also is important to the policy decisions. So. It's so true. It is so true. You're right because, uh, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> if there uh, if there isn't any money going there, obviously we know it's not a, an important thing for somebody. So, <laughs> so what can we do better in in the future as as states and as emergency managers to to really get a better understanding of of what we're doing with these monies? Our recommendation really is that there needs to be sort of. When we say that we recommend that there's higher level policy maker attention to this, it's because as we worked with emergency managers at the state level, they, for the most part, recognize that this is important to do, but they also have so much on their plate and, you know, have to be ready to respond to any, you know, given disaster in any given day. And they have a lot of partner agencies that they work with, but they don't necessarily have the authority to sort of collect the data from all from their partner agencies. Right. So that's why when Ohio reached out to the their Office of Management and Budget, you know, which is puts the governor's budget together, that helped them because the the Office of Management and Budget, for example, or Budget and Management, they have sort of statewide reach and they can um, develop help develop policies that are agency wide. And so I think that's our point of saying there should be sort of higher level attention either from governor's offices or from legislatures that make this a, a statewide issue and not just an emergency management issue, you know, not just putting the onus on the emergency management department. And I think for emergency managers, I think they need to think about how to strategize, how to strengthen their case, you know, within the state to say that this is, this is a statewide issue. This is not just our, you know, our tracking issue. And also, make the case that this kind of information will also strengthen their case with the federal government as the as FEMA and others are trying to looking to sort of rebalance the federal state relationship in disaster spending. Right. So there's definitely some educating upward about the importance of this uh, to statewide leadership. Yeah, I think we, we rely too much upon on the fact that we think that I'm going to say we talking about globally, not just any individual state that we rely upon the fact that FEMA is going to come in and with a checkbook and start 
start writing checks when, when we get to a crisis. And I, I think that's a, a, a wrong model. To, that's my, in my opinion, that's a wrong model to, to be looking at. You know, a, a good example is, um, you know, what happened in, uh, with Puerto Rico, for instance, where they expected the state to come, the federal government to come in to pay for everything and they didn't have the infrastructure set up to, to be able to manage it. So I think we have to do a better job at the states to be able to, to pull that information and be able to manage those crises prior to just asking for, for federal, excuse me, for federal help. All right. Well, so we're getting here close to the to the end here, and I got a couple tough questions for you. So, well, one is this probably wouldn't be too tough. How could somebody find the information that we're talking about here and to to watch that uh, that great panel discussion that you had? I love these kind of tough questions. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> folks can go to our website, which is www.pewtrusts with an s dot org slash fiscal dash federalism. All our work is published there. Um, we have a disaster spending collection page because we have done our report on state spending. We have the video from the panel discussion that we've talked about. We also did have looked at sort of federal spending and how federal spending goes beyond FEMA. You know, there's a, at least 17 agencies involved at the federal level. So that's um, where you can find our work online. And you can also sign up there for email alerts when we publish something new. And then on Twitter, you can follow at Pew States and me, which is at A Stauffer DC. Do you want me to spell that out or are you going to put a link? I'll put a link. Yeah. And for, for everybody who's, like I said, driving down the road right now and you don't have a pencil in your hand, I'll put all these links into our show notes as well. And uh, that way you guys can just uh, click on those and, and get to it because I think the stuff that is really important, you guys should check it out. If you haven't, you're missing out because there's a lot of great information that's there. Uh, and, the, and the great work that they're doing over there. Okay, all right, here's the toughest question. What book, books, or publication do you recommend to somebody who wants to learn more about what we're doing? Uh, I love the fact that you asked this question of folks because what, when we interview folks of, for our team, I often ask, like, what part of the bookstore do you go to first? <laughs> and on some levels, it's not, I don't, I don't necessarily care where they go. I just want to hear, you know, what, what is it that they're interested in and what, what are they looking at? I don't necessarily have a, emergency management book to recommend, but I do recommend a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. It ultimately has what seems like a simple message, and that is how you approach learning is important. That you're willing to learn, that you're willing to work hard to master something. For me, it was really made me think about, you know, when, for example, with my nephew, and he, he does well in school, I don't just say, oh, you're so smart. You say, oh, I know you've worked really hard to achieve that because that kind of recognizes the hard work that goes into achievement and it recognizes that you're learning and you're willing to learn. So I think to me, it was really an interesting way to think about what success means and how we talk about success and that it's not just natural aptitude, but that people put a lot of work into being successful. And it goes back to like when we look for members of our team, we look for curiosity, interest in learning, you know, adaptability, which I think is increasingly necessary in emergency management and really everywhere in the in the workplace and, and being a successful policy wonk as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's what I want to be a successful policy one for sure. Yeah, you know that's a great recommendation, and I'm going to uh, put that on my list as well. Uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. 
that's a really good point. And as a as a guy who's also an educator, uh, I see that that is the most important part of success uh, for our students is, is their mindset. And then as a military guy, that was the mindset is the ones that made it through, you know, budge training and through recon indoctrination and through, I'm sure, well, I don't know too much about the ranger side of it, but I'm sure it's the same thing with the rangers is that putting that mental toughness as we called it when we're in the service, the mental toughness. And I think that's a really, a really uh, a good point. And also how we take a look at how people are doing things. And you're right. I think putting them in the right mindset is important. So thank you for that recommendation. Is there anything we, you would like to say to the emergency manager before we let you go? Actually, I guess what I'd like to say is I really would like to thank them for all their hard work and their important role and the fact that most of them, you know, understand the importance of their work and face a lot of challenges and that we're just in our project and the work we're doing right now trying to amplify that and come up with with recommendations that will ultimately help them in the community um, manage the costs of disasters going forward. Thank you so much for your time today and, and, and spending it here with us here at Ian Weekly and, and with the rest of the listeners. And I'd love to have you on the, on the show sometime again. Yeah. Um, thanks. Stay tuned. We're, we're looking forward to a couple more pieces of research that will hopefully also inform what's going on. Will do. Awesome. Thanks so much. 